everybody, and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. I'm your host, Taylor Rockwell, and joining me today, all the way from the other side of the Atlantic, I've got Luke Moore of the Football Ramble. Luke is here to discuss the Ramble, the expansion of their podcast empire, and then also a little soccer, uh, such as who wins the Premier League, any championship upsets in the top leagues in Europe, uh, will Rooney be a good coach, will Pochettino stay at Spurs, and who's the best run club in the Premier League, all that. Plus, Luke promotes the Ramble's North American tour. They're doing live shows in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Toronto, and Chicago in early November. You can get your tickets right now at RambleLive.com. Uh, one more time, that's RambleLive.com. A link is in the show notes. Uh, I'm hoping to make it up for maybe one of the New York shows with an eye towards heckling and insisting it be called soccer at all times. We shall see. Uh, but until then, I'll instead turn it over to myself chatting with Mr. Luke Moore of the Football Ramble. With me, I've got a man who's making his triumphant return to the Total Soccer Show. At least I'm assuming it's triumphant. It's Luke Moore. Welcome back, Luke. Hello, everyone. <laughs> oh, very, very chipper. Very chipper to start off. Um, well, I'm very pleased to be here. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're here to discuss uh, your rise from humble get, humble beginnings as a Portsmouth street urchin with sit on the face to uh, like managing a podcast empire. At least I'm assuming that's how the narrative goes. Yeah, why can't I do both those things, though? <laughs> why are those mutually exclusive? Why, why, why do you assume that I don't pop down to my hometown under cover of darkness and um, continue my street urchin ways? I mean, is it street urchin or is it chimney sweep? I forget which one Mary Poppins has taught me is the thing that people do like at night as a collective unit. I would have thought, if we're going to go back to Victorian London mm-hmm. for a chant for, for a moment, those probably those two things are quite interchangeable. I imagine the uh, the young chimney sweep would probably be a street urchin as well and and if we're going back to victorian london which of the ramble is most likely to be jack the ripper i feel like pete oh i can't come on that we're not gonna, we're not gonna do murdering of prostitutes this early in Taiwan. that's not happening not doing it's even that. earlier over here it's, say, it's like i thought you're gonna say which one was gonna be a chimney sweep and i was gonna say pete straight away it's a good job i listened to the question <laughs> i mean you know it can still, I can still look magic of editing. I can clean it up. We'll make it work. Uh, but yes. obviously, you're actually here to discuss uh, your upcoming tour. You're heading to the United States. Uh, can you tell us a bit about the tour and why you all decided to uh, to come this way? Yeah, sure. So, um, do you think any of your listeners will know what the football ramble is? Maybe some of them will. Eh, maybe um, you should explain that first. Let's do that. Yeah, for those who, for those who don't, uh, it's a football slash soccer podcast with the out. four of us: myself, Marcus, Jim, and Peter. We've been going for quite a long time now. Um, and we do a podcast um, pretty much every day, much the same as you guys, with a rotating cast of guests. But our main show is myself, Marcus, Pete and Jim. And it's kind of a comedy look at the game that we all know and love. And um, we've converted it uh, a few years ago into a theatre tour, like a, a theatre comedy show based around soccer. And um, we started our most recent tour, the first live shows we've done in two and a half years. Last night in London, the, kick, the big tour kicked off last night in London. Um, at time of recording and uh, it was brilliant it was a sold out show at Hackney Empire which is about a 900 odd seat venue we had lots of fun and uh, but this time to make it a bit different um, instead of just touring throughout the UK which we're going to do in October um, we're also going also to bring it to the US as well so from the 5th 6th 7th and 8th we are playing Manhattan Brooklyn uh, Toronto in Canada and then Chicago uh, so we're going to bring it over across the big pond to come and see you guys because I'm led to believe there are lots of excited, enthusiastic soccer fans just waiting to have um, a night where they get to be made laugh by some idiots up on stage. And we are those idiots. Uh, well, I want to talk more about you all, uh, maybe less so the idiot part, but more so the okay. theater comedy tour aspect, uh, because that is a thing that like we 
like I wouldn't even have said like we were like distinguished enough to be a theater comedy tour when we did our live show, but people kind of struggled to understand. Like my my parents, I think even despite going to the live shows, still don't fully understand what the show was. So how yeah. do you all sort of explain it in a way that like brings in soccer fans, maybe comedy fans, or just people who who want a good time? Well. That's a, that's the challenge. So people who already listen to our shows will know what to expect. People who don't and feel like they, they like football, or as you guys say, so I'm just going to say soccer for the purpose of this interview. For those, for those of you who say who like doesn't soccer, that, doesn't that physically hurt you? No, I, I don't, okay. I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. No, I don't, right. People, we have a big show here called Soccer AM, and our, our oh, yes. main highlights. Um, uh, not highlights, but our main kind of news show on a Saturday over here is called Soccer Saturday. So it's not it's not a big deal at all. No, no. Um, so, I'm going to call it soccer. So general soccer fans who don't know our podcast, to sell it into them is quite a difficult thing because I think people assume it's going to be the four of us sat behind tables Mm -hmm. just talking about the game last week or a particular news story. It isn't that. It's like a load of well-put-together comedy set pieces. Um, There's dance numbers, there's singing numbers, there's videos, there's multimedia, there's uh, audience interaction, there's games, there's loads of stuff that we pack into kind of two hours uh, of of an evening of entertainment. So it's basically like an entertainment comedy evening sort of rooted in soccer, but not, we don't really talk about particular Mm-hmm. actual soccer incidents is more just about the kind of circus surrounding the game so is it recommended that people be soccer fans in order to attend or, or like do you just have to have a passing interest in the sport <clears throat> i think you should probably you'll get more out of it if you like soccer mm-hmm. but i don't think it matters whether you know our show or not um but i mean in the meantime people could just dip in and, and listen to a couple of episodes they wanted but i think there's enough in there to have a great time and have a few drinks and, and you know get out of the house and enjoy yourself, whether you like our show or not. But I think you'd probably prefer to you'd prefer it if you did like soccer. Um, but I'd like to think we could still make you laugh if you didn't. <laughs> and when and when you all first started doing the shows, like the live performances up in particular, like I know like uh, Jim has the background of stand up comedy. Pete has the the DJ kind of performer. You and Marcus have both been on, on the telly uh, multiple times. Yeah. Like, who who took to it the fastest? Do you think in terms of like performing live on stage? talking about soccer, but also kind of incorporating comedy and doing all the other set pieces you're doing as well. Uh, Marcus is a really good host. He kind of compares the evening. Um, I think he's probably the most natural, but we, we're all pretty good, I think. I think we all feel at home up there. We all have our little set pieces that we do, and we all – we all. I don't really see it as a chore or anything. I quite like being up there and showing off. It's no different to showing off with a, a microphone. I mean, I do, as you said, TV and uh, quite a lot of radio. It's the same principle. You've just got the audience sat in front of you rather than – assuming they're there but you can't see or hear them and and you get a lot more energy and a lot more atmosphere of course when there's a big group of people in front of you which means you can have a lot more fun with it and i'm assuming you all have kind of adapted it over time like added new things removed other things was there something that you thought like would work really well that didn't quite work and vice versa was there something that you were sort of surprised worked as well as it did in in the live format well it's interesting because the stuff that pete does who is he's more the most comedy turn of the four of us i would say he the stuff he does we we kind of just let him get on with it i mean we don't we get a kind of cursory look before about what he's going to do but we don't really know exactly what he's going to do and we just let him do it and that tends to work really well we've had some stuff that we've shelved for different reasons one because um a lot of our attendees tend to like you know tend to be a fan of the older the old alcoholic beverage mm. here or there. And so by the time we get to the end of the show, we used to do this 
kind of question and answer session, but it sort of descended into madness. So we now do a, um, we adapted it so that people can tweet us using the hashtag and we read out the questions ourselves rather than putting it over to the, to the uh, guys in the audience because some of them can get a little bit drunk. And speaking of alcoholic beverages, do you yourself, like, do you have the uh, preferred cocktail when going into the live show or do you keep it sober until the very end? No, I don't drink. I don't drink before. I may, I may have a, a bottle of beer at halftime mm-hmm. in the interval, but I always go down to the bar afterwards and meet everyone and have a drink with them afterwards just to say thanks for coming along and everything. So, um, yeah, so I, I, you can't really get up there drunk. I mean, I think that kind of deadens the senses for me, so I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, do you really have a halftime? Yeah, there's an interval, yeah. Well, wow, you all are like, like full-on theater at, at a certain point. You, you well, really honestly, elevated it's, it's, the, the format. It's a two-hour show. It's got, right. I, I know you think I'm joking, but it's got singing numbers, it's got dance numbers, it's got all sorts going on. And um, we have an interval, yeah, because we like to separate it into two sections, and the, and the sections are slightly different. So we've got to do it. And, and who has the best singing voice of the four? Do you know what? This is going to make me sound like a <laughs> but it is, it is actually me. Honestly, it is actually me. Is that by consensus? Would they all agree as well? You'd have to ask them. Listen, Taylor, politics might dictate they wouldn't agree. (laughs) I see. I see. It might not be good optics for them to agree, (laughs) but trust me, it's true. Now, like, I I know you've seen The Wire before. We've talked about it previously. You all are coming to the States. Like, is a turf war really what you want, Luke? Is this really how you want it to go down? Yeah. I thought we were friends. I thought we were friends. (laughs) We're friendly at a friendly alliance. Right? I mean, I mean, you've stayed to the to the northeast, so at least there's that. Once you start coming further down the east coast, there's no promises. Yeah, once you cross like the the line, we'll see what happens. Taylor, I'm Marlo, and you're Prop Joe. <laughs> I don't. I know how that ends, and I'm not going to spoil anything just eyes, in Joe. case. See, it's, just exactly. Just I don't like this anymore. Like <laughs> Who, wait, who's 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 snooping in that equation then for the ramble? I feel like that's Pete once again. Pete, yeah, 100%. 100%. I, think I think that's the second time I've called Pete a murderer on this show. So I'm just <laughs> yeah, gonna, yeah. instead, I'm just going to ask. So you all are doing the live show, but you've also kind of expanded your daily offerings, as you said. You've got lots of different podcasts going on. How did you all decide to kind of change it up and start more of a network? Um, well, we felt that personally, I mean, we've been, I, I run a, a slightly bigger company that sits over the top of the Football Ramble uh, or Football Ramble Daily as it's known now called um, Stakhanov, which has like 11-ish different podcasts across a lot of different genres and styles. And I'm interested in the podcasting market generally. And, and myself and my colleague, John, we just kind of took a decision that um, that was the way that the industry was going, these big daily shows. Um were, were, were kind of becoming the norm now, particularly in the news area and the, and the current affairs area. So we thought it would be a nice thing to do. And we also thought we've got, we've, we actually have our own professional studio. It's not, it wasn't being used an awful lot at that point. So we thought that we've got the capacity to do this and we've got the contacts and the people, enough people around us that we think are great that we could probably get to come in and play. Uh, sorry, and, um, and do a show for us. And it went from there, really. And, and obviously, we took a huge amount of influence from the uh the, the, the fine work that you do as well ah i appreciate that um so you've got lots of different shows uh you've got different personalities uh, who have you enjoyed working with the most and is jonathan wilson uh as barry glenn denning i think it was once suggested actually just a floating uh brain in a jar yeah, well i would say we have a, a selection of floating brains in jars <laughs> uh of which i am not one of them i'm probably a floating pair of balls in a jar um <laughs> I think um, who have I enjoyed working with the most? Well, of course, I enjoy working with all of our mm-hmm. partners, mate. Um, 
I love working with Andy Brussel. He's mm-hmm. brilliant. Um, he's always great fun to to work with. He's just the nicest guy in in, in media, and he does this show with Jules Breach, who's a really excellent um, presenter over here. Uh, they do a show every Tuesday called Jules and Andy, and that's great. Um, Jonathan's fantastic. He does a show on Saturday. Uh, which is about uh, the greatest games in soccer history and the political ramifications and the current events around them and the influence that they had on on wider society. That's a really great, fun show every Saturday. Um, I enjoy, yeah, I enjoy all of it. But, I mean, one of the things I enjoy personally the most is doing the series of shows I do called Ramble Meets, where um, I speak to, in a long-form interview style, um, the great and good of, uh, from soccer and 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 talk to them about their experiences and more recently I've had um, uh, Jonathan Greening who played for Manchester United and West Brom for a, a long time with great distinction. I've had Jamie Carragher before, who's obviously a Liverpool legend. I've got Emil Heskey coming up. Um, I've spoken to Nigel Winterburn, that's coming up soon. So there's been lots of big um, people I've been able to sort of tap into and find out what makes them tick and how they got to where they got to and what their experiences and their careers were like. So there's a lot of different types of shows throughout the week there should be something in there for everyone to enjoy i think and you all have lots of podcasts there are lots of different soccer podcasts in london uh as far as i understand it like i'm gonna avoid yet another reference to violence uh but like is there sort of a podcast rivalry because all of you most of you are in london there's lots of different ones there's the totally show there's uh obviously the ramble there's football weekly many others in there as well like is there overlap do you guys run into each other in the streets and at the pubs or is it sort of uh everybody keeps to their separate like districts well i think that i work semi-regularly with max rushton who hosts the football weekly show Mm -hmm. um because we both have radio shows on talk sport albeit at different times of the day. That's the big national um, sports broadcaster here on the radio in the UK. So I see him semi-regularly. Uh, I don't know many of the Totally guys, to be honest. I know... Um, it's <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. It's hard for me to keep up with who does what on what show because they rotate. The difference between us and them is they rotate a lot. Right. So Lars Sivertson, who does either... I think he does Football Weekly a lot. He comes on and does a bit of On the Constant, our European show sometimes. Um, so obviously we know and love him. James Horncastle is part of our stable and he does totally as well. So it's a bit of crossover there. Um, I've worked with James Richardson doing some TV stuff once or twice, but I wouldn't say I know him particularly well. Um, but we don't, I mean, listen, we're all boring people. Most of us have got families and spend our time doing our thing outside of work, I guess. So we don't see each other an awful lot. And I don't go to, um, press conferences or if I go to football matches, soccer matches, I sit in the to, I sit in the seats. I don't go to the press box, so I won't. I won't see any of them there. But you all do have like uh, p- podcast awards, right? Or at least like journalism awards, because I know Totally and Football Weekly. I think now are the main rivals for that one. I think there was a period where it was just Football Weekly versus the Ramble. I think was the. Uh, I oh, remember yeah, Barry we- Glendening talking some trash. Yeah, that definitely happened. I mean, that's, that's a weird. That's a weird thing because, to be honest, I, I find the whole thing a bit weird because awards are. I mean, if you're talking about the British Podcast Awards, then that is just essentially people from the industry. A lot of them are from the radio industry as well, which I philosophically have a little bit of a problem with. But they just, they just, they they kind of discuss what the best shows are. But I mean, there's obviously, for example, if you if you if you were doing the British Podcast Awards in 2019, I mean, is it realistic you're going to have listened to every single episode of all the major sports shows throughout the year and decide which one's consistently consistently the best? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, so to me, it's kind of one of those things that I understand we have to get involved with because it's important. 
for the, for the industry in general. But I don't put too much stock into it. Now that might be a coincidence, or that might be because I've never ever won anything. Um, I'll, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you draw your own conclusions about whether that's bitterness from my part or not. I mean, it could be. It could be. But you, you definitely have some podcasts that are that I think uh, should be nominated, if not win outright. I really enjoy On the Continent. You mentioned that previously. We because... had a nomination last year, Tyler. To be fair, um, the offensive, ah, our, um, our mockumentary uh, comedy kind of drama series won bronze award in best thing in best fiction so we, we have got a pedigree in the awards themselves i just think i know this sounds cheesy but i feel like i've got we we've gone from just being hobbyists doing this as a, mm-hmm. as a bit of fun on like a monday night or whatever to doing it full-time a fully-fledged production company behind it which pays for everyone's mortgage pays for people to work with us and it's their full-time job which they can earn a decent full-time wage from we're very proud of that and we get to live the dream every single day. So to me, it's not a huge priority to worry about that kind of stuff. More still to come from my conversation with the Football Rambles' Luke Moore. But first, I wanted to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Hims, a new wellness brand for men. Uh, 4hims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. You've heard us talk about Hims on the program before. You've heard us remind you that 66% of men start to lose their hair by the age of 35. I believe all four of the Ramblers are over that age, which means, I guess, statistically, at least two of them, and then maybe 16% of another, have started to lose their hair. I know that's not how statistics work, but I'm going to go with it for the purposes of this show. Uh, The thing is, once you've started noticing thinning hair or maybe the bald spots coming out, it can be too late. The best way to prevent more hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some, and that's where HIMSS comes in. They connect you with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. That means no snake oil pills, gas station counter supplements, only prescription solutions backed by science. And really, if you're choosing between like science and wishful thinking and fingers crossed, I'll go science when it comes to keeping the hair. Uh, that also means that you have no more awkward in-person doctor visits or long pharmacy lines. You don't have to call up and say, like, ah, my hair might be going. I'm not really sure, but I want to come in. And then you wonder, like, do I go to the doctor for hair loss? I'm not really sure. Now you don't have to because 4 connects you to real doctors online, which saves you hours and saves you a little bit of awkwardness. Um, so right now our listeners can get started with the Hims Complete Hair Kit. For just $5 today right now while supplies last and subject to doctor's approval. See your website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy somewhere else. Uh, but go to 4 slash Total Soccer. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash Total Soccer. One more time, 4 slash Total Soccer to get the complete hair kit for just $5 today right now. Thank you very much to Hims for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you very much to Luke Moore for being on today's episode. And now back to Luke Moore. Let me ask you this then. That, that's an interesting point you make about like, I guess, like how long you all have been doing it, how it's grown. And my question for you then is like, like for me, like explaining to somebody that I used to do like in like maybe even five years ago when I said I do a podcast for a living, I would get very quizzical looks and sort of like, is that like a blog? I still get that question occasionally from people being like, so you do a blog about soccer or something yeah. for you? Like, when did you see that shift or when did you first feel like this is a thing that can actually be an industry that can actually be this kind of like next level sort of media group almost? Well, I've been very fortunate because although I'm the kind of one of the public faces of the of the company, uh, my colleague John, who is the best guy at the the behind the scenes commercial strategy, everything stuff, he's seen it very early on, much earlier than I did, and he made all these contacts and connects and developed all these relationships within the fledgling industry, which meant we were front of the queue for things like advertising and sponsorships and opportunities, and so for us compared to some other shows. I think we probably got it quite early on. 
But there was definitely a point where we went from what you've just described there, essentially trying to explain to people what a podcast mm-hmm. actually was to getting them to try and listen to ours because there was so much competition out there. And I think the big thing was probably Serial, where everyone kind of had to jump on board and listen to Serial because it was this must-listen thing. And that yeah. gave people almost automatically an education about what a podcast is and what it can be. And then you've also got things like Spotify getting involved and lots of other bits and pieces that have incrementally helped the exposure of podcasting over the over the recent years. And uh, you mentioned serial. It does feel like like the true crime genre is obviously the one that like is probably the biggest here in the U.S. I'm not sure about uh, where you all are. I think maybe that's the next step for you. I think you need to do a, a true crime slash soccer podcast. I don't know how you make that work. Maybe you can have like that's the brilliant. Yeah, like the the uh, the World Cup, like uh, trophy heist in Brazil. You could lead off with that one, and then go from there. I'm up for it. I'm right. up for that. Yeah, I'll commission that straight away. I, th- I think um, there are lots of people over your side of the pond doing brilliant stuff, like Gimlet and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. We need to. What we need to do is we we're a very young, <clears throat> nascent production company, and our production company, at the, the larger companies, only really been around for a year and a bit, probably. So we're still making our, our way, connecting with different people, working out what's possible, linking up with different talent and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a really interesting process. In the meantime, of course, we're doing this football show every single day, so there's a lot going on. Uh, I suppose we should actually talk a little bit about soccer at some point. Uh, for you, like, what do you have a favorite league to discuss on either the Ramble or on the continent? Like, I'm assuming you have the most familiarity with the Premier League, but I'm also assuming there are other ones out there that kind of pique your interest. Yeah, I do like I do like the Premier League a lot. I mean, that's my home country, of course, and I do think it might be because I'm closer to it. But it feels feel like there's more more at stake just because if you take the other big European leagues, but um, France and it actually having said that, do you know what? That's probably a bit of an outdated thing to say. Last couple of years, France has always been PSG, mm-hmm. Italy's always been Juventus, mm-hmm. Bayern Munich have dominated Germany. And in Spain, you've got you know one or two teams. I mean, domestically, Barcelona, I suppose, have dominated. So in the Premier League, it feels a bit like at least we've got two teams who've got a really good chance of winning the Premier League this season. And then after that, we've got interesting battles in for the Champions League places and for the relegation spots and everything. But having said that, that's just because my... My bread and butter, as we say over here, is, is the Premier League. And when I go onto the radio, I have a radio show for three hours on a Friday night and it's really Premier League focused. So I feel like I'm more in tune with that than anything else. And, and my job on our European show, which comes out every Thursday called On the Continent, is to just be a facilitator, really an audience surrogate for our European experts and let them do their thing. I want to ask you about On the Continent in a second, but first I want to ask about the radio show because I've never heard that. I'm assuming there's a way I could, but I never have. Um, like, yeah. what, do you, what do you do for three hours? Is it sort of – is it you pontificating into a microphone? Are you taking questions or are you sort of doing the like Messi Ronaldo, who's the greatest of all time? Are you doing those sort of like talking head debates? Yeah, so we have th- I have three co-hosts um, who I bring in and who give their opinions on certain things. Uh, we have three big topics every week, one at the top of each hour. Then we cross over live to <clears throat> updates from Premier League games or championship games as they're happening. We have competitions. We have phone-ins. We have all sorts of stuff. We pack a lot into kind of three hours. Mm-hmm. And, and then with On the Continent, uh, like moving away from Premier League, is there a league or a team or even a player who you feel like gives you the most content most consistently? Yeah, so there's people who, who, who transcend the fact that they're footballers and who will always have 
interest around them, you know. Mm. So obviously, sort of Neymar would be like an obvious example here. I mean, this is a guy who's not. I mean, he's obviously back in the team now, but he's not played an awful lot of football over the last nine months or so. Yeah, he still dominates. Mm. I mean, every single week, if we wanted to, we could do a story on him. Probably, uh, we, we we don't, but we could do another one. Would be probably Balotelli. I mean, mm. there's been a lot of attention on Brescia in Serie A this season already because Balotelli's gone and signed for them, and they played Juventus, and that was a big talking point, not just because of Juventus, but because of Balotelli being back at Brescia, which of course is his hometown team. So there are definitely these players who, I mean, the one over your over your over your neck of the woods would be Zlatan, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone just wants to talk about Zlatan. I mean, we, we, even now, even over Zlatan. here. Oh, of course, especially Zlatan. But <laughs> over here, though, we get a lot of updates about him. Really? Like what he's been doing. Oh, yeah, we get, we get, we'll get a lot more MLS coverage and the highlights and all the rest of it in our news packages and everything because of people like Zlatan. And I'm assuming Rooney in there. How, how big of, like, how much attention does he still get, uh, even though he's coming to sort of the end of his career, theoretically, although Darby would disagree? Yeah, well, Darby have got their own problems. Um, I, I think I think um, it's when he when he does something interesting that will automatically get a lot of pick up because he's Wayne Rooney. So when he scores from his own half, or he does that amazing play where he tackles the guy and puts the ball in for a for a, for a goal, all that kind of stuff, he that will be picked up on a lot here because it's Wayne Rooney and because he's England's top all time goal scorer. Uh, he's one of those guys that it, fo- it follows his every move. But generally speaking, though, we're, I mean, I'm ashamed to say, and this is not a reflection on how I feel about um, our American cousins, because, of course, my wife's American, so I, I'm into it. But if, when pl- players go to MLS, they, if they're not of a real star quality, they're, they're not as Latin or a Beckham or a Rooney or, or a Gerrard, they'll get, sort of pretty much forgotten about fairly quickly because there's just so much football over here to think about. Are you telling me that Bradley Wright Phillips doesn't get constant headlines? I wouldn't describe them as constant. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you another uh, Rooney, Rooney question. We had uh, Pablo Mar on the show. He is the DC United beat writer for The Athletic, amongst other things. Mm-hmm. He was... Um, Someone convinced that he thought Wayne Rooney would end up being a good manager because of the way he reads the game, because of what he's been for DC United in the locker room and on the field. What do you make of that argument? Are you excited to see Wayne Rooney as a manager? I don't know of any. Um, I, I don't know if he's overtly said throughout his career that he wants to go down that road. I mean, it's a really interesting situation with the current generation of top players because clearly there's no financial imperative for them to have to do it. They don't need jobs, mm. so they don't have to. They have to really want to do it for its own sake. And I would just differ slightly from that take, purely because I think there's a difference between. Well, first of all, there are lots of different types of leader, but there's a difference between being a leader and being a manager of a of a club. Mm. And then you've also got to remember that. Really, I mean, I had this conversation with Jamie Carragher on one of our Ramble Meets episodes, where he said, "Well." the type of football I'm used to, my my skills aren't going to be anywhere near as transferable at a really low-level club. So I need to be managing at a top level. But, of course, it's very unlikely that I'm going to get a job doing that. So he, he kind of realized very early on that the coaching thing for him personally was close to him and then he ended up going into the media because of partly because of his own decision. So I don't think I, don't, I can't see Wayne Rooney being a guy who's going to go and manage at a League Two level, or even a League One level. And so that begs the question, well, where is he going to manage? 
Uh, I mean, I mean, you mean aside from Derby? Well, yeah, but he's going to be a player coach there. Yeah, well, the so, so you don't expect him to then move up to being the manager eventually? I, I feel like the amount of responsibilities mm-hmm. and the amount of work it'll take would mean that he'll have to really want to do it. And then also he's got to show some kind of aptitude for it mm-hmm. because the history of the sport is littered with amazing players who have been dreadful managers and, and, and vice versa. Yeah, one of those would be Gary Neville, uh, and I I appreciate Gary Neville because I appreciate that it allows me to go back to your casual reference to Jamie Carragher just happening to be on one of your shows. Is there a person <laughs> who's made you, like for lack of a better term, starstruck? Because as you said, like you've gone from this being like in like uh, a show you record in the kitchen to now you've got Jamie Carragher showing up to stuff. H- have you had that moment of like, oh wow, like I'm talking to this person? This is kind of cool. Um, I get. I get nervous about doing interviews because I want to get them right. Mm-hmm. And I I wouldn't say necessarily starstruck because you've got to be professional, right? Mm-hmm. So even if, even if it's kind of, it's, maybe it's a bit hard to explain, but if you're in a one-on-one environment with someone and you're, and you've asked them to come and do an interview with you and you set up the studio and you've got an idea about what you want to do in the direction you want to go, it's not conducive to that to that being a success if you're just going to be a quivering mess. So at some point, you've just got to pull yourself together right. and say, right, get this done. Don't worry about what's going on inside your mind, but present yourself as a professional. And now, of course, I like to think I am a professional, but it's an incremental thing. So when I first started doing it, it was difficult, yeah, because I had no experience doing it. I'm not a classically trained journalist. I've, I've not um, played football, soccer for as a profession. Mm-hmm. As a profession. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of learning that that goes on, but of course sometimes you do get you do get a bit starstruck. I remember for a different project, um, we had Ricky Gervais in the studio um, a while back, and that was that was I was pretty starstruck there because he's a bit of a comedy hero of mine. Luckily, I wasn't working on that particular show; I just happened to be in the office, and so I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> and and is he a, a charming fellow in person? Very nice man, yes. Very, yeah. very nice. Well, so nerves aside then, have you had like an interview that comes to mind that was like particularly challenging for you for, for whatever reason? Or are they all just smooth sailing? No, they're, chal- they're all challenging for different reasons because hmm. some people, you ask them one question and they're away and it's very difficult to try and stop them. <laughs> but some, of them you know, some of them just give you little quick answers because perhaps they're only doing the interview because they want to sell a book or because their agents told them it would be a good idea or whatever. So you've got to think more on your feet. So every new interview is a real challenge. Um, but to be honest, I've not really ever had anyone who's not been really lovely and, and really open to talking about things. And I always try and speak to them beforehand and Try and work out what makes them tick and what <clears throat> what they're interested in talking about and what perhaps they wouldn't be so comfortable talking about and try and get it going that way. I mean, the thing is, it's not like it's a political interview. I'm trying to skewer them mm. or I'm trying to kind of undermine them or challenge them or tell them they're wrong because ultimately they're just talking about their own career. The way I see it is is that I'll try and get the stories out of them and the experiences out of them, and then it's really for the audience to to decide whether they like it or not. It's not really for me to say. I take your point, but I also feel like like 
especially active footballers, are sort of trained not to say anything. They want to avoid anything that can be taken out of context or put in context to sound even worse. Like, like, and obviously the, the, the papers over there have a tendency to do that with players like Raheem Sterling. Mm-hmm. So like, do you have an approach for how to get maybe a player who is kind of giving you the standard answers? Like, Do you have a way to get that person talking a bit more? Or do you just sort of accept that, yeah, okay, this is going to be a little bit of a uniform interview and that's just the way it's going to be? Well, I always try and be, I always try and be the first one. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. I, I interviewed Will Hughes, who's a midfield player for for mm-hmm. Watford in the Premier League, of course. And um, I actually went around his house to do it because I'm 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 friends with his agent. So there was a bit of an angle there, and I I, I realised that actually he's not going to realistically lift a lid or or say anything explosive about a teammate or an experience. He's really going to, what, what, so what am I going to get out of this? And more importantly, what are our listeners going to get out of this? And what I decided to do was try and get him to articulate what it's actually like to be a top level professional footballer, Mm. which is interesting. And I think I was able to do that. And he was very generous with his time and very generous with his answers. But I think you need to adjust your expectations accordingly. If you've got a guy who's, you know, who's no longer playing football professionally, wants to sell a book and has no friends in the game, then perhaps you can you can go a little bit more interesting, shall we say. You never want to be controversial for controversial sake, but if they've got some honestly held opinions that would be of interest to our listeners and perhaps are a little bit of a different take on things, then you've got to go for it. That's your job as, a, as an interviewer. You've got to try and give something to the audience that they're not going to have heard anywhere else and let them make their own draw their own conclusions from it so it's, it's a very much like a horses for courses type scenario i think this is taylor interrupting one more time to let you know that today's episode is brought to you in part by our friends over at dollar shave club and when i talk about dollar shave club i want to stress the quality of their products they've spent years developing crafting and refining everything and i really really appreciate that because that sounds exactly what the uh, the gentlemen at the ramble have done they've they've crafted they've fine-tuned this live show but if they go up on stage smelling bad and looking dirty i don't know if that works as well i think you've got a kind of got the uh, the, the fresh look to go with it and then obviously afterwards if you're wearing makeup if you're kind of putting on uh different costumes maybe you need to get clean at the end as well dollar shave club has you covered there they've got the the face wash the shampoo and conditioner so you can get clean after the show but then also if you want to get clean before if you want to look as fresh as possible then they've got the executive razor they've got the shave butter they've got prep scrub to get everything just the way you want it so you look just the way you want covered head to toe from showering to shaving to styling your hair brushing your teeth and yes even you know keeping it fresh downstairs there's some wipes it's a it's a nice solution Uh, dollar shave club automatically keeps you stocked up on products you use you get what you want whenever you need it whether that's once a month or a few times a year, which is a really nice service because it means you're never wasting any time at a store, kind of wondering what you need, or maybe they don't have the product you want. Maybe you end up having to try something else. Maybe you have an allergic reaction to that. That's no good. With Dollar Shave Club, you get the products just coming in. It's one less thing you have to think about because they're automatically there. And right now, you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club product to the test. Uh, Their Ultimate Shave Starter Set has basically everything you need for an amazing shave. That includes the Executive Razor, uh, Shave Butter Prep Scrub, and the Post Shave Dew. The best part is you can try it for just $5.00. After that, the restock box ships regular size products at regular prices. So get your ultimate starter set for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS. Thank you very much to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring today's episode. Now back one more time to Mr. Luke Moore of the Football Ramble. 
All right. Well, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, some of those uh, questions and see if we can get some interesting answers from you, starting with uh, – Very unlikely. (laughs) (laughs) We shall see. I have faith. I have faith. Uh, Who's your money on for the Premier League title right now? Right now? Mm -hmm. I think Liverpool Liverpool have looked imperious. Very, very difficult to make an argument against them at the moment. Um, Bearing in mind they've done it without their first-choice goalkeeper as well. Um, And – but if you'd asked me before the season started, I probably would have said Man City, and I wouldn't write them off at all, really. But I think it comes down to the motivation. Now, of course, Liverpool-Man City, in my view, are the only realistic options for the Premier League this season. And then you've got to look at um, the priority list. So Man City are a team who are desperate to prove themselves and, 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 and judge themselves on their Champions League success. They want to win the Champions League more than anything else. They've won a bunch of, of Premier League titles already. Uh, Liverpool have never won the Premier League, and for a club of their size, it's absolutely huge. And they're, of course, European champions, so they've done that. And they've won it a number of times, um, as everyone knows. So I just think that Liverpool might not be denied this season. And they've obviously won every game so far in the league as well. To me, it looks like it's probably going to be going to be them and if it's not I mean if anyone could finish above Liverpool they'll win the Premier League this season alright that, that makes sense to me um, who do you think parts away with their current club first uh, would it be Pochettino Unai Emery Olegato Solskjaer or maybe Marco Silva at Everton are they the only options you're giving me out of those four I mean because I feel like 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 lower down the table clubs like are, are probably more likely uh, we've already seen yeah. Watford uh, switch it up a little bit so yeah I'm giving you those four I'll go through them in turn. I think, I think, who was the first one? Uh, Pochettino. That's a really interesting case because it might just be that he's come to the end of his cycle now. He's the fifth longest serving manager in England. Uh, he's been there a good amount of years now, which is fairly rare, as you well know. It's particularly in the top flight in this country. And it might just mean that he's not run out of steam, but he needs someone in with fresh ideas. I don't think the fact that they appear to have stagnated slightly this season is his fault. I think he's done a brilliant job with the resources he's been given when there's been a lot of stuff going off off the pitch as well with their new stadium, the delays around that and this transitional period they're in. Um, and he's had difficult time with injuries to key personnel in what's quite a small squad. But I wouldn't be hugely surprised to see him move on, no. But I think that'll probably be, a, well, that'll almost certainly be on his own terms. He won't, there's no way he'll be fired. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is in a bit of a state at the moment, I think. They had a terrible result midweek against Rochdale. Only went through on penalties in the League Cup. Rochdale are a League One side, so a third tier side. Not, not a very good team at that either. 17th in League One, no less. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so they've had a difficult time. They, they laboured to a win against Astana in the Europa League. They were beaten easily by West Ham in the Premier League last time out. They've got injury issues, but they've not won. A, I mean, they're away from home. Their record away from home is absolutely appalling. And Arsenal, who are fragile themselves, go to Old Trafford this weekend. That's a big game for both teams, I think. If one of those teams gets, gets beaten badly, we could, be, um, we could be starting to look towards the writing being on the wall. But with Man United, it's, again, Solskjaer's not a hugely experienced coach. I don't think he's a particularly skilled coach. But he's not working in an environment that's conducive to success anyway. So it's not completely his fault either. Uno Emery is the guy who came along after the guy. So it's very difficult for him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they don't seem to really have a plan or if he does have a plan i don't really know if anyone knows what it is he doesn't know what his best team is so that's that's also difficult and uh, marco silva is a really interesting case at everton because every player or ex-player i've ever worked with who's worked with him says he's the best training ground coach they've ever worked with mm. but i also don't think he knows what his best team is and his midfield selections have just rotated and rotated and rotated they found it very difficult and the 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 pervading opinion of marco silver in this country among the commentariat among the media is that he is almost like this mythical figure where he's done amazing things in other countries, record-breaking stints here, there, and everywhere. But when it's come to England, he's found it difficult, and he's not been given a lot of um, credit, partly because when he was at Watford, he had his head turned by Everton quite badly, and they were so poor after um, Watford denied him his move to Everton that the wheels completely fell off. And the, the media over here don't like that kind of thing. They kind of see it as unprofessional. So he's got a bit of a bad rap for that as well. So they're playing Man City this weekend as well, by the way. So that won't be pretty. Uh, likely not. Uh, as you mentioned, it has not been pretty uh, at Man United, who are not the most well-run club. Who do you think is a particularly well-run club for whatever reason? I'm assuming you throw City and Liverpool in there, but I'm curious about other, other organizations as well. Well, when you've got like an endless pot of money like Man City have, and you're essentially sponsored by a... You know, a you know, golf state. Yeah, you can afford to be run however you want to be run. Having said that, though, Pep Guardiola is an exceptional coach. He's the best coach in the world. He's got a team of about twenty-five people that work under him, and he's got everything squared away exactly as he wants it. So you'd have to say, particularly on the pitch, they're a um, they're a brilliantly run team. Liverpool under Klopp are essentially a personality cult around Klopp, which is not a. I'm not trying to denigrate Liverpool at all for that, but that's how Klopp does things. Everyone buys into it. They um, they love him, and, 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 and rightly so. Do you know what I would probably say, in terms of the best-run club at the moment, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put you off Leicester City, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, think, I would agree. I just think they've done, they've done, they've done amazing business. I mean, if you look at some of the players they've brought in and moved on, I mean, they brought in, I think, Mares for, what, half a million, sold him for ridiculous money brought in Harry Maguire quite cheap sold him as the biggest defender and the best most expensive defender in the world um Danny Drinkwater went for what 30 35 million something like that they brought him in for pennies really um who else is left for big money uh, there Conte <laughs> Golo Conte yeah mm. so I think and also if you look at the record Leicester's record since Brendan Rodgers came in I think statistically since the day he took the club over they are the third best team in the country, which is an amazing, amazing uh, effort. It is indeed. I was saying on our Monday show, I was making the argument that like I think Brendan Rodgers and Leicester might be the perfect marriage in terms of like aspirations of a manager with the club. That like yes. we saw with Liverpool, maybe that's a step too much for Brendan Rodgers in terms of managing a club of that size, of that stature. But like managing a club who are consistently challenging challenging for european places and could be in that conversation and have a little bit of money to be able to splash and have the history of recruitment it mm. feels like the perfect sort of manager and club coming together and it, i so i get really excited about leicester even though i have absolutely no vested interest in them at all yeah i'm the same as you taylor i think it's right i think that's a nail on the head it feels like a perfect marriage for them that that coach and that team and they should be aiming for third this season i'm not saying they'll finish third <coughs> excuse me but i think they should be aiming for third because there's no real argument against against that i mean 
you can make a good case to say that the other teams who are all gunning for third have all got problems of their own. And that's the thing I think Leicester can be can take advantage of. Of course, there's no real, not really any sort of tangible difference in terms of what they benefit from it to finish third or fourth. I mean, top four would be the big thing because they'll go straight into the Champions League, which is what they'll want. But third would be a real feather in their cap, I think. And that's something they should be aiming for. Um, you mentioned at the very beginning of the show, or near the beginning, that we, we've we kind of had consistency in terms of the champions and other European uh, leagues. Uh, so I did want to ask you, do you see that changing at all? Do you think we see somebody new in Spain, Italy, Germany, or France? I think it could change. I think it might change in Italy. Mm-hmm. I've got a feeling that um, in Antonio Conte's Inter might might go close this year. I think they've they've started brilliantly. I think Juve have got questions of their own to answer. Um, there's a really interesting story coming out last week of uh, Juventus that Cristiano Ronaldo apparently, in quotes, has got muscle fatigue and couldn't play against Brescia. Um, and he didn't turn up to the FIFA awards either, um, possibly because he knew Lionel Messi was going to win something. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I think Inter, I mean, Antonio Conte knows that league inside out. He's a winner. He, We knew that he was only going to take a new job when he found a club that was set up to win. I mean, he, he used those own words himself. Um, so I think they've got a really good chance of going close. My colleague Andy Brassel thinks Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig have brilliant a brilliant chance in the Bundesliga this season. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's chances chance in those two countries. All right. Well, uh, if that happens, I'm sure you'll be talking about it on the, the live shows, uh, which hopefully mm. I'm hoping that I can make it up to at least one of them. I would like to make it to maybe one of the New York shows. Uh, the last time I saw Luke, I will say, was in London. I'm not sure if I've told that story before, but my wife and I, now wife, then fiance, uh, stayed mm. with Luke when we went to London to pick up uh, her ring. Luke was a very generous host who made fun of me for asking if it was safe to drink the tap water. I've been living in Istanbul, man. It's not my fault. Yeah. Uh, but but <laughs> Luke was a gentleman there. Luke is always a gentleman when he comes on the show. Uh, so, Luke, one more time, can you give our listeners uh, the dates, the cities, and maybe how they can go about getting tickets? Yeah, of course I can. Before I do that, though, I should point out to your listeners that when you asked, when you had the predicament you had, I offered you a, uh, a sofa in my – or couch, as you guys would say, in my mm-hmm. apartment. And we had, ever ne- we had never actually met before. We never had. No, we met in a, in a pub down the road. We did. And it was my good fortune that you were not a psychopath <laughs> and you were a very, very polite and um, – and, and good house guest and, and the rest is history so but you're very, you were very welcome and you're welcome anytime of course wait I want to um, jump, but- jump in there actually for a moment Ap- apologies but like did, did you have that concern because <laughs> you're right we had never met you again you very generously said like yeah you guys can crash uh, but was there that like what if they're weirdos this is going to be strange no, I had a um, I had a firearm under my bed, so it was fine. <laughs> I didn't really. You can't get a gun. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not sure I believe um, that. Yeah, um, no, no, of course I didn't. I didn't mind. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a welcoming kind of guy. I'm go. a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> you know, trust people, and they prove themselves to be trustworthy, and all the rest of it. <laughs> uh, that's what I've been robbed a number of times. Uh, no, it was, it was it was fine. Um, yes, come and see mm. us live at New York, uh, Chicago, or if you're Canadian, uh, Toronto, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Of November, so there's a bit of time to get your tickets. I should say though that the New York tickets, particularly, are selling very, very fast indeed. So do move now. And to get those tickets, you can go to ramblelive.com. That's R-A-M-B-L-E Live L-I-V-E dot com. Select the date you want to come to. Obviously, follow the instructions and buy your tickets there. And we'd love to see you. If you're a fan of soccer and you like to have a good time and have a laugh and have a bit of a beer afterwards and all the rest of it, um, you'd be very welcome along. We'd love to see you there. And if it's endorsed by Taylor at Total, uh, Total Soccer Show, 
surely going to be a great night. So don't, surely. Don't Surely, surely. Uh, we'll put a link to the uh, the place we can go buy tickets uh, in the show notes. Uh, but I think we do need to figure out for sure, American listeners need to figure out for sure, uh, who does have the best singing voice so you can do that yes. in person at those four dates. Uh, and yes. I assume it will be Luke Moore. I have that faith. But Luke, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for taking all the time to discuss all the things. The pleasure's mine. Thank you very much for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening, if they still are. Very much appreciated. And if you've got any um, further questions about a live show or you want to find out anything more about what we do, um, we are at Football Ramble on Twitter. And I am at Luke Aaron Moore. That's L-U-K-E-A-A-R-O-N-M-O-O-R-E on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm happy to get in touch, answer any questions you may have. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. Maybe I'll come back on again just before we go, go and do the live shows over in the U.S. and let you know how the prep's going, perhaps. That works for me. Sounds good. Then I look forward to chatting with you then. But until then, Luke, thank you very much one more time. Thank you very much. 